Bibles and back to the book of James. Um, it seems like it was just a, a very short time ago we were here. We left Monday morning, uh, somewhere around 1,600 miles between Monday morning and last night. And uh, I'll tell you what, I am glad to be home and uh, glad to be at Open Door Bible Baptist Church and among our people here. And uh, I enjoy traveling and being with other pastors, but uh, this is uh, where I like to be. Amen. And let's turn back to James chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 17 and then try to pick up a little context and see how far down this chapter we can get. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, James, as he started out, he told us that we were to rejoice, to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. Uh, and again, this is not going out and seeking problems. This is when God brings problems your way. I mean, they're just, uh, most of us have experienced this at one time or another. It just seems like everything is going wrong. How many of you have ever had that happen? Now, we, what is the saying we always use? When it rains, it pours, right? And, and the Bible says that we are not to be discouraged. We are not to curl up in a little ball and quit. We are not to run away. We are to understand that God is working in us. And that we can count joy. We can say, God, we can trust you with the, the, the actual question that needs to be asked. Can you trust God with the problems that are in your life? If you're saved, the Bible says we ought to. That is, and if you cannot... 
The problem is not God, and the problem is not your problems. The problem is your lack of wisdom. It is wisdom that we need. Wisdom allows us to see things differently than we are at present. How many of you remember being upset as a little child and you go home and you're, uh, my dad used to have a saying. He said, it'll be better before you are married. And uh, how many of you, your parents told you that? And, and uh, well, dad, I'm only 10 years old. I'm not getting, yeah, he said, it'll be better. He was right. It did get better before I got married. Um You see, that is a wiser perspective than the two-year-old who is totally distraught and life has ended because someone called him a name or her a name at school. And most of us remember being upset like that. And and our world was coming to an end and we were told, uh, don't worry about it. If we could have only trusted that things would have been different in our lives. Amen? And God has the wisdom. He will give it to us. But that wisdom is going to take us back to the point to where we can count it all joy. God is not necessarily just going to take our troubles away. I mean, I thought about this ceiling, and I'll tell you, I was just frustrated with these insurance people, I just spitting mad. I really was. And, and I had to get my attitude aligned. And I had to go back and say, okay, Lord, and I'll tell you what. It, it's amazing the work that has been done. And uh, it, it's really coming out beautifully. And we've gotten a lot of other things going here. And so we're just going to trust the Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask Him for wisdom And because the double-minded man is the guy that tries to figure out what God has already figured out. You know you can't disagree with God, but you want to, and therefore you have a double mind. And the only cure for the double-minded is wisdom. And we look on here, and last week we covered, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. That one's not too hard. But the rich in that he is made low, the simple fact is, uh, I guess one preacher put it this way, I've repeated it often, and many others have too, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Uh, One of the problems that developed in the early church uh, and is addressed as Jesus wrote the letters to the churches was the difference or making a separation between clergy and laity. Uh, the laity were the regular people and the clergy were the ordained ministers and they were super special. In fact, that was where this idea of taking root that only the preachers can interpret the Bible. God has meant for all of us to understand his word. We have different duties, but not a one of us are unimportant or less important in the sight of God. Can we say amen to that? And so, as we go through this text, 
Then we deal with temptation. And the source of temptation is not the devil. The ultimate goal is when we're drawn away from God. Now, what draws us away? Our own lust. I remember hearing someone pray in church years ago, Lord, please don't come back. And then they filled in the blank. Uh, Don't come back until I get married next month. Or, Lord, don't come back. I've heard it several different ways. Not in our church, praise God. But, uh, wait a minute. Can, Can we just trust God with our lives? That's, that's what James is trying to get us to get a hold of here. Because when we are drawn away from God, that's what makes us pray to the devil. We get wanting certain things. We get desiring God to fulfill certain things in our lives. And if we're not careful, this is... One of the great errors of the purpose-driven life movement is that uh, they give credence to those voices that are inside of us. They do not, uh, according to the purpose-driven life, God put that there and you've got to keep telling God to give you what you want. And, and that's not Bible. That's Buddhism, actually. Where you keep telling your God, you keep repeating your mantra over again until it transforms you or changes the situation. And only God can change hearts. And what we need to understand is that when we allow ourselves to be drawn away, that is when we will be tempted. That is when our lust will take over and there is a process. And when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren, then immediately every good and every perfect gift. Now, how many of you have ever had something that just looked good and turned out terrible? I mean, all of us have been there and done that now, haven't we? Sometimes it's at buffet. Sometimes... Uh, you that that just looks good, and you get it, and say, "Whoa, what did they do to this tapioca pudding?" Well, it's not tapioca pudding; it's cottage cheese, and uh, uh, you you can really get yourself messed up sometimes when we think something is good here. But here's here's the point. Here's how we tell the difference between what is a blessing from God and what can be a temptation from the devil. Years ago, the um, people started coming up with this idea that the church was no longer relevant and the church wasn't getting the job done and uh, we, we need something more than the church. Well, I'll tell you what, it sounds good. Something that's going to get the job done, but doesn't always turn out that way. Uh, I remember getting these phone calls from people promoting the Promise Keepers movement of 
over a decade ago. And how that the church was not doing the job of helping men be men. Well, I'll tell you what. That is one of our primary purposes here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. That's why I want to encourage you to go to the men's conference next week. Uh, because that's what it's about. That's why we have the ladies' conference, helping ladies to be godly ladies, helping men to be godly men. Church is about this. And this Promise Keepers movement came up, and uh, I think they had 10,000 people at Shea Stadium before they tore it down at a Promise Keepers meeting. But you know what? The Mormons were there. Jehovah's Witnesses were there. The Protestants were there. The Catholics were there. Everybody was there. And one of the promises to keep was breaking down denominational walls. Wait a minute. Is that what the Bible tells us? To sacrifice our doctrine for the sake of unity? We might find unity with other people on this plane should we do that, but we're going to find disunity with God the moment we do that. You see, that was not a good and a perfect gift. And it caused a lot of problems, and the whole movement was gone in five years. I don't think there's anything left if it were something that was really going to help. It'd still be going. Have you ever stopped and realized that the local church in which we meet in was established personally by the Lord Jesus Christ during His earthly ministry? And two millennia later, nearly 2,000 years after Jesus walked this earth, we're still going back to the Bible and reading His words and the words of the men that He trained to find out how we should function as a local church. I want to challenge you, there is nothing in mankind that is like the local church. Nothing has that longevity. Nothing goes back that far. Every Good and every perfect gift, if it's not good, if it's not perfect, it's not from God. One of the preachers at the conference said the divorce rate among Christians, even Bible-believing Christians, is not that much different from the world. Why? Because they're not establishing marriages based on the Word of God. If we were, you see, marriage is one of those gifts that God gives us. It is good and it is perfect, but if we do not do things God's way, then it doesn't work. And so we, we need to understand that every good and every perfect gift, that's one of the reasons why when uh, one of my children say, Oh, Daddy, I, I think I found this nice young guy. I said, okay, well, let's talk to him. I like to have some time. You know why? Because time answers a lot of questions. I'd much rather take a little too long on this side of marriage than have 
helped one of my children make a wrong decision that they'll regret for the rest of their life. When we look at the things that the world offers, we'll find out that there's an awful lot out there that looks good, but it isn't. It doesn't last. It doesn't stay good. It turns. We have uh, a whole movement that started in Christianity and uh, actually the it's been moving all along, but it really gained ground in the late 1800s. And they said, we want to make the Word of God more easy to understand. We want to get the best translation of the Bible. I'll tell you what, I have yet to see. I, I would, just, just for curiosity's sake, I would like to see an English Revised Version Bible. It is such, that was the first Bible that was produced using the, 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 what, what I affectionately call the minority text, uh, the little spurious manuscripts. It's, it went out of print in less than 10 years, and it's only available in libraries today. We have 153 different versions of the Bible in the English language today. And we have these shall we say, uh, brighter minds, they call themselves in light. Oh, God's words in all of them. Well, I would have to say God's words are in all of them, but they all can't be God's words because they disagree. Some of them equate the day star in Second Peter chapter uh, 1 with Lucifer, son of the morning, in Isaiah chapter 14. Now, That, my friends, cannot be done by accident. That's done on purpose. And that is done to demean and blaspheme the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it brings confusion. And there are people that when things get confusing... And by the way, who's the author of confusion, my friend? It's the devil. What do they do? They just throw up their hands and say, oh, I'm, not going to, I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm not even going to read the Bible. No. How about we get the good and the perfect gift? And I think we still have some of those $5 dictionaries in the bookstore. And if we don't, we'll get them. Help you understand all the hard words uh, in your King James Bible. That we need to understand something. If it comes from God, it is good and it is perfect. It's going to bring, it cometh down from the Father of lights. The first thing God created was light. Let there be light. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. If it's good and it's perfect, it's going to bring light and life to your life. It's going to, and if it's not, then it is not from God. Uh, I've been around long enough to watch some of these quote-unquote trends work their full cycle. Uh, 
when I was a student in Bible college, contemporary Christian music was just beginning. Amy Grant was the teenage darling of the Christian contemporary movement and Steve Green and, and some of these other people who, oh, they just, they just write a little bit different. Well, I'll tell you what, how's that worked out for you? We have churches and Bible colleges today that give us a very poor imitation of worldly music with Jesus' words. Amy Grant, when she was given the opportunity, went to the top of the charts. And you know what the name of the song was? The next time I fall in love, it'll be with you. It wasn't Bible. It was just a worldly love song. Can I challenge you? We have churches that have no worship today. No understanding of who God is. The word holiness doesn't belong there. That, uh, that is not good. That is not perfect. That is not light. God has not changed. We, we do not need something new. We already have everything we need. In February, and I'm supposed to preach at the next GIBF meeting, and the theme of the meeting is His truth endureth to all generations. And, and just thinking and keeping that running in my mind, asking God to help develop a sermon, you just stop and think about this. What we said about the local church. What we said about the Bible. You see, God has given us some incredible gifts. I'm saved the same way the Apostle Peter is saved. I have the same salvation. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes we just get discouraged. Sometimes we think, well, you know, we're not winning the the war with the world. We're not supposed to win the war with the world. We're supposed to win the war with ourselves. Amen? That's where the real battle is. And if I were to ask you to raise your hands, we'd all put them up. We failed that battle since Sunday. We're not perfect. We struggle with sin. But you know where we go? We go back to His truth. Because that has not changed. So the next two verses here are going to deal, I mean the next section here is going to deal primarily with salvation and with the church But everything here is going to be wrapped around the Word of God. If you want the perfect gifts that God has given us from heaven, His Word, salvation, the local church. And and I hate saying local church. I really do. Because that is like, um, uh, it's just being utterly ripped. Uh, repetitious Uh, every once in a while we'll uh, have one of our children that will make a statement and it's like 
Hello, Captain Obvious. Uh, tell us something that everyone doesn't know. And uh, that's where the, the world lives. Listen. I've got a good, I've got a perfect gift that came from God. And He hasn't turned. He hasn't changed. I can trust Him. How do you live in a world with no absolutes? And by the way, the world is full of absolutes, is it not? When the light turns red, what are you supposed to do? Stop. If you don't, there just might be one of those friendly men in blue there to uh, frown upon your activity and give you a love letter from the uh, government of New York City uh, explaining to you that there is a rule that is always the same. If the light turns red, you're supposed to stop. You know what? We have an absolute. It is God. God is good. God does not change. He does not make up His mind differently today than He did yesterday. And we get to verse 18 and we have the biblical attitude towards salvation of His own will begat He us. How? With the word of truth. God is the one that does the saving. There's a reason why so many people are going to miss heaven. It's because they're trying to save themselves. They're trying to make things happen. They're trying to make God pleased with them. They're trying to reach some level of whatever they might be setting, whether it's sincerity or or feelings or uh, uh, a changed life. You cannot fix it. God can. Now, the Calvinist loves to take it too far. And say, see, God of his own will begat us. He chose that you should be saved. But what does the Bible say? God is not willing that any should perish. He's long-suffering toward us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world. And we come back to this simple truth. A choice that isn't a choice isn't a choice. You say, wait wait a minute, what are you trying to say? Well, under the Soviet system, you were required to go and vote. But if you voted for the wrong candidate, there was a goon squad waiting out back to catch you and help you understand that you were to exercise your freedom of choice and choose who they told you to choose. That was the way it was supposed to be. You know what? I'm glad 30 years ago my wife chose to become my wife. And uh, and we're, we're still happy about that decision, both of us. And that's... A choice that we've made. I am so thrilled. One of the things that I do when I go out to other churches at this meeting is I 
I, I see other churches and how they operate and things. And every time I, I get to investigate another church, I just go, thank you, Lord, for Open Door Bible Baptist Church. They put up with me. And we serve the Lord together. And the Lord has allowed us to do some pretty amazing things over the years. You know what? We can rejoice in that fact. Can we not? But I'm not going to go down and chase you and drag you to church. If you're going to be a part, you have to choose to be a part. But is it God's will for you to be a part of a church? Absolutely. And it's got to be the right kind of a church and... Open Door Bible Baptist Church qualifies. And so we want you to serve the Lord His way, but just like salvation, you have to choose. You have a choice. But salvation is not centered around you and your choice. It's centered around the words of God and what you do with them. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to unbelieve everything else. You've got to stop believing in your church. And you've got to stop believing in the Pope and Sung Young Moon and, and the IRS and all these other things that are out there that would substitute themselves as God. If you're going to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you must believe in Him alone. And here's what it says. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now there's an immediate application James was writing in the first century. He said, listen, God has given us salvation so we can take what he's given to us and show it to the unsaved world. How many of you remember reading through the book of Acts? And it would often say that when the Gentiles heard and embraced the gospel message, the, the, some of the Jewish people were moved to envy and they blasphemed and they said, you can't have what we have. We are the special ones. Well, read Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. God hasn't changed his mind about his love in choosing the Jewish people as his own. But he's going to choose us too if we'll be obedient to the Word of God. Amen? You see, the ultimate application is God wants you and I to show the salvation that we have in a way that will encourage others to be saved and go to heaven with us. I often tell people when I'm passing out tracts, listen, we Baptists, we want you to come to church. Church is a big deal to us. But more importantly, we want you to end up in heaven one day. And the only way you can do that is you must obey the Word of God and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so as we read here, it says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, this is a great truth. 
My salvation should change the way I live. How did I get saved? By taking heed to the Word of God. Amen? How am I supposed to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? By listening to the Word of God. What you did to get saved is what you do to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. That way you can maintain the level of joy that God gave you the moment you laid that burden of sin down at the foot of the cross and embraced the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have that joy each and every day that we are swift to hear. And slow to speak. I'll tell you, we, we like to talk. As people. Well, I just want to put my two cents in. Well, if that's all it's worth, maybe you ought to keep it. Amen? Um, we all think that we have... And, and it's a... It's a uh, a thing preachers especially we've got to be careful with. Because our job is to give God's word. When you've given God's opinion on something, that's the end of it, isn't it? I mean, there's no argument left when God has spoken. But we we have to watch and be careful that we don't stick our own opinions in there with the word of God. We... We've got to make sure that what we give is the Word of God. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. Now, what is that thing about wrath? Well, I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's not wrath. I'm, I, I'm not angry. It's righteous indignation. Well, the, did you read the next verse there? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You know, there have been very few things in my life where me getting upset about something did any good. How about you? I mean, there are some times there an angry count, an angry countenance driveth away a backbiting tongue. Uh, it doesn't solve any problems, but it just makes them be quiet because they're scared to talk. Uh, the, the, that's what uh, Solomon said, but there's very, very few times in life where you and I getting upset about something is going to accomplish anything good. You know what we need to do with wrath? Vengeance is mine, saith whom? The Lord. You know what? God is going to straighten everything out. He is going to give that even balance to every person Those people that quote-unquote got away with it, they're not going to get away with it when they stand before God. My salvation needs to make me... Hey, how did I get saved? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. i got to be swift to hear. A wise man holdeth it in till afterwards. You know, Solomon never says when afterwards is. Right here it says, slow to speak. Maybe you just need to give it a little time. Think about that. 
How many of you have ever said, wow, i got to say something. And then you said, well, maybe I'll just be quiet. And after you were quiet a little bit, you're going, boy, I'm glad I didn't say anything. I mean, that's happened to me on more than one occasion. Slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. My salvation ought to affect me. Now, we get to verse 21, and we're looking at a process here that leads to salvation. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Somebody said, What is a superfluity of naughtiness? Um, How about, I, I think I could just give you a phrase here. A nightclub or a bar. A superfluity is an overabundance. Naughtiness. That's just wrongdoing. Is there anything good that goes on in a bar? I knew a preacher one time, he was arguing that that we ought to go out to the local bars and rent a table and get with the owner of the bar and say, now listen... Uh, I'll, I'll provide counselors here and we'll send them to the bar on Friday night and Saturday night. And, and they'll, uh, they're not going to drink alcohol, but they're going to just uh, be there. And when somebody comes in that's troubled, you can send them over to table number five or whatever, and they'll be able to give them the gospel. Now, I've walked past a few of those places here, and usually the music is so loud that you can't hear yourself thinking outside let alone inside. So you're going to sit there and open your Bible in a dark bar and let someone... Those of you that used to go to those places before you got saved, did you go there because you wanted to get closer to God? Or a little further away, maybe? You see, the Bible says that we need to lay aside filthiness, all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. There's just... A lot of things out there. And we receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now that word engrafted just means implanted. If you've ever done work, my, uh, my father, we had uh, three peach trees, one pear tree, and an apple tree in our yard. And my father had spent a lot of money buying those trees, and we invested a lot of... And the apple tree never produced one good apple. There was something wrong with that tree from the inside out, and the apples just had little dimples all over them and and, and never grew all the way even to uh, full ripeness. We couldn't even tell whether they were bitter or sweet because they never got big enough to... To pick, and so what my father did is he went up to Pennsylvania. My grandfather had several uh, beautiful apple trees right in his backyard, and he cut off several twigs. And he brought them down, and he put a careful slice in a branch of our bad apple tree, and he stuck that good apple branch in there. And the next year, we got the only good apple off that tree in all of its history from the engrafted branch. 
It was implanted. It was cut and put in there and we wrapped it up with string and then put grafting wax on it and kept it there. And within the year, that branch became part of the tree. You see, you know what the Word of God does? We have to make an incision and we put it in and it begins to grow. And when it grows, it takes over. And the Word of God does things in our life. How many of you remember the process, the, t- the, the time that you struggled hearing the gospel message until you had a realization that you were truly lost and without God and finally you believed the Word of God and you got saved? That, that is a, salvation is an event. It happens at a moment in time. Being born again is just like being born the first time. Only God is the one who's doing all the work of his own will, begatting us through the word of truth. So we come here and it tells us that there is a process here. And how many of you remember just this thing that you used to do and used to enjoy? You had to lay it aside. And this activity that you couldn't, you said, I can't do that and serve Christ at the same time. And there was a process and probably still is a process because the next verse says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You see, that same process that led you to salvation is that should be ongoing, continuing on a daily basis. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We are to do the word, not just hear it. We are to do the word. The Bible says if all we are uh, content with is hearing the word and gaining Bible knowledge, we are deceiving our own selves. If no one else believes your lies, you'll believe your own lies. That's what psychiatrists are for. To help you believe your lies. The Word of God tells you the truth. And if you're going to embrace it, you've got to put yourself aside and embrace the words of God. You've got to believe what the Bible says. And we come here and it says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I'll tell you, there's been more than once Andrew and I have come back from Union Baptist Church and my wife or daughters look and go, What have you been doing? And we, of course, were very dirty and, and nasty and sweaty and all of those things. And, hey, I looked in the mirror. I washed my hands. And I got most of the grime off my face so that I could see to drive home. But, see, I don't have to look at that. You do. Men forget what they see in the mirror. In fact... They tell us that men see things in the mirrors that aren't there. They're worse than ladies, actually. Ladies see what's in the mirror. And they've got uh, all these little products to fix it. 
guys would look in the mirror and said, haven't changed in 20 years. Better get that prescription checked, my friend, uh, because things have changed. We forget. Oh, it's not that bad. There have been more than one says, uh, can I go to Home Depot looking like this to my wife? And she says, no. You need to go fix that. Why? Well, I haven't looked in the mirror. But it was bad. And it needed to be changed. And if we will look into the mirror of this book called the Bible, here's the process. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You want God's blessing on your life? You want to live a life that is worth living? You've got to look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein. How many of you have been a Christian long enough to realize that there is more freedom in being obedient to God than there is when you were able to do your own thing? Would you say amen with me? Raise a hand, something like that. And if you haven't gotten there yet, you will. You'll find out that this is the perfect law of liberty, that as I listen to God and do those things that He said, I find freedom in this world. I'm not living a life looking over my shoulder. You see, we get to verses 26 and 27, and they're very simple. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Later on, read Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, James knew that. He heard Jesus say those words. And he said, listen, if you've got somebody that says they're saved and they look pretty good, but their mouth is not speaking things that are in this word, God has not changed that heart. And that religion is in vain. If you're going to have a real religion, look at the two things that James lists here. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. How many of you remember reading Acts chapter 6? What's in Acts chapter 6? That's where the church had a little argument going on in Jerusalem because the Greek... Ladies, the non-Jewish widows uh, said that they were being neglected in the daily ministration versus the Jewish widows. And, and the apostles said, listen, that's, that's not our job to wait on tables. We're supposed to be working in the Word of God and in prayer and all of these things. And so they appointed these men as deacons to take care of these ancillary things that's still important and needed to be done. And so, it's talking about church. When we get to James chapter 5, it says, Call the elders of the church. The context of the book of James is people serving God in their church. 
These are the good and the perfect gifts that God has given us. I got a Bible. I can trust every word of it. And the more I read, the more I'm able to live for God. Amen? It's a good and it's a perfect gift. It brings light and life. And by the way, it hasn't changed and doesn't need to be changed. Same thing is true of the local church. I was just sitting there thinking about that. Uh, his truth endureth to all generations. And said, wow. You know, there's no other organization, there's no other thing in existence in our world today like the church. The United States of America holds the record in world history for the longest sustained government of people ruling themselves. There has never been... Now, there's been some kings that have ruled generations. But I'll tell you, the United States holds the world's record of a people that have governed themselves. And we're in danger of losing that. Extreme danger. That's why you need to pray for our president and pray for our Congress. Even pray for the nutcases that are... Uh, doing all that there is nothing that certain people won't do trying to put forth their agenda but you know what we do as the church we're just getting right back to this book oh that we could get some people in congress to just get back to the constitution solve a lot of problems listen Bible salvation will, must, always result in Bible living. If we say that we are saved and our life is not reflecting that, we better check out what kind of salvation we have. Amen? And that doesn't mean we're not going to struggle that doesn't mean we're not. Good. There's not a process. Uh, we ought to be growing in our faith in God, and we ought to be realizing more and more what a wonderful gift that God has given us in our salvation, in the Word of God, in our church. These are gifts that God has given us. Let's serve God God's way. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight.